Welcome everyone to the Lighter Mind Podcast. In the Lighter Mind, we explore spirituality, personal growth, trauma, recovery, and the path to wholeness. The Lighter Mind Podcast is not intended to diagnose or treat any forms of mental illness. We are not licensed therapists unless otherwise noted, and these are experiential conversations. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Lighter Mind Podcast. I'm Kyle, and I'm sitting here once again with the two beautiful and intelligent gentlemen, Crow and Alan. And today we have a special guest, Mr. Alex. And Alex and I, um, Alex is one of my best friends on the entire planet, and he is also one of my um, my business partners in a nonprofit business that we're going to be opening up called Lucid Mental Health Gym. And the mission for Lucid is to provide long-term affordable mental health care to anyone who wants it. So we will hopefully be unveiling that over the next couple of years. But Alex and I um, are old running buddies in addiction and uh, burned a lot of bridges, hurt a lot of people, did a lot of drugs. And oh boy, yeah. yeah, and now, now we have the opportunity to be able to be in recovery together and um super proud of this guy. He's out in Washington State right now, going to school to become a clinical psychologist. And um without further ado, this is Mr. Alex Tennyson, and thank you for being here. Anytime, man. Happy to be here. Yeah. Um so today what I wanted to talk about, since this is a relevant topic for everyone, not just in recovery but just life in general, but we wanted to talk about radical acceptance and surrender. And I actually have a definition from psychcentral.com that says that radical acceptance means practicing a conscious effort to acknowledge and honor difficult situations and emotions, fully accepting things as they are, Instead of ignoring, avoiding, or wishing the situation were different can be a crucial step to moving through a difficult experience to experience to experiencing more meaning. So for me, that's a monumental step, um, especially in recovery, because one of the first things that I had to go through in recovery was to acknowledge and to accept the fact that I have a problem with drugs and alcohol. Can anyone else relate to that? I think we all can. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there was crickets for a second. Yeah, well, crickets. Like, Which one like, of us yeah, is going to surrender? Yeah, who's going to who's going to surrender to that? Man? <laughs> yeah. I just want to start off by saying you have a really sexy radio voice. So <laughs> I, I well, do appreciate it. We've told him that <laughs> yeah. as well. Like, I don't know what to do with myself right now. But Count it. <laughs> <laughs> And I just want to start out by saying that what an honor it is, man, to have Alex back in town and have him on the program in this room again. Thanks, man. Because, uh, you know, and it's just for my journey, once I I started working in the the health health profession, (laughs) uh, uh, and and working in recovery, um, it... It was sort of you guys that linked me and dialed me into it. It was because I've worked alongside of both of you now. And uh, 
Yeah, it was it was through your networking, and actually the irony is through your your twisted past that actually brought me to where I'm at today, and and the things I'm fortunate enough to do. So I'm just kind of excited about that. And Alan and I grew up together, and mm-hmm. I've you know we've we've uh, seen each other's same stupidity so this is kind of a good pair up today on this show yeah, yeah. I guess we're like good. we're like the elder statesman of <laughs> yes, we are. Oh, dumb, fuck ups or what fuckery. Yeah, dumb fuckery yeah. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> of total yeah. uh, addiction fuckery yeah, but so sorry about all the swearing, all the people whose ears hurt when that happens. Well, you know, there's <laughs> no other way to explain that, yeah, man. No, it's, it's exactly, exactly what it is. You can't, mm-hmm. you can't sugarcoat a turd, right? It, exactly. Got to apologize for my potty mouth in advance. Well, I, I don't even know how to hold them back. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, trust me, I brewed beer for 26 years, and we made sailors blush when we'd be well. We try to keep our... our uh, Swearing in check on this, but it's really, really it's difficult. hard. Sometimes it's, hard. it's sometimes you just feel the need. You well, know? Yeah. I saw that it's thing that said that it's a sign that you've got a, a higher level of intelligence if you swear more. So that that yeah. makes me even want to turn it up to eleven. Yeah, before, right. You know, well, personally, you know, I, I at the points in my life, I found myself, you know, sitting on a public bathroom floor, shoving needles between my toes, using toilet water for for heroin. And to me, once you've been to that place. Saying fuck a couple times. Yeah. It's not, yeah. The it's not that really big not, deal. Not, <laughs> not that high on the docket. Yeah. The things that yeah. I'm no, concerned about doing. Yeah. Your standard of manners has just dropped. Yeah. yeah. Right there in that stall with you. Yeah. You know, it's it's really weird Like to look back. Probably when you look back at it, you're like, what was I thinking? Like, yeah. When I think yeah. of some of the like really fucked up shit that I did, especially how I just destroyed whoever was in my path and didn't care mm-hmm. now i look back and I, right now it's doing i just get these chills i'm like whoa my god yeah I'm like i'm surprised anyone even talks to me you know yeah like yeah. people are super <laughs> forgiving right like yeah i look back at all the stupid crap i did and just i mean i loved to be that guy that walked in and everyone was like oh god us too, yeah. man. Yeah. We, yeah. we lived our lives based on that principle. Yeah, it's, years. It's, it's one of those things yeah. that I think that I know that him and I, him and I have had like an ongoing, because we were, we were using buddies starting out, we had like this ongoing like ego battle, you know, of like who it's can, inge- who can ingest the most yeah. drugs, right? you know? And, and I think that like we held it as a point of pride for a long time that like we, you know, we could go into a party and people look at us the same way that, you know, they're like, oh shit. Right. You know, like they're gonna drink all the alcohol and then they're gonna leave, which is exactly what we did. And it was like it was cool. Or they're gonna take their clothes yeah, off yeah, and run around. Yeah, the we're house. gonna take our clothes off and run around the house, which we have done before. But it's one of those things that twice. like looking back on it now, it's honestly it's it was just like a huge cry for help. Yeah, and it I think you it know is, right. And right. I think it was it's it's honestly it's not something I want to say that I'm ashamed of now, but it's not I'm actually very, very grateful that I'm not in that place anymore. Because I don't like, I don't have to look for that like, that extrinsic reward, you know that you know that you know Kyle and Alex are so great, or yeah. because it's just like it's not important to me, right? Well, anymore. And this feeds into acceptance, right? Yeah, so for sure. You've learned to accept who you are. Yeah, you've learned to accept your life and whatever got you to this point. Like mm-hmm. you know, really, that to me is huge. Like, 
you know, I mean, that whole aces thing and just being totally fucked up because we're all fucked up and, you know. Oh, you brought yeah. the aces into it. Yeah. yeah. My man. Yeah. 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 Sorry. You know, yeah. but I, I remember when I did the aces Didn't thing, you? I was like. You're like, oh, a 19. Yeah. I was, <laughs> I was like, uh, you know, we like, every we're going box. through it. And, Wait, I think <clears throat> for everybody listening, you might want to explain what aces is. Well, someone can explain it better than me. Uh, yeah, I, I actually am uh, going over this, or was going over this recently in my studies. Uh, ACEs is the Adverse Childhood Experiences, um, and basically it's just a, a large test um, to, to judge how your early life shaped who you are later. And based on a, a, an ACEs test, I think there are, oh boy, it's, uh, it's 10 questions, 10 questions, yes or no. Right. Uh, it's a very simple test, really not all that reliable when it comes to psychological measures, but a very good indicator of um, if, if you do may, maybe have trauma um, right. as an adult that you may not be aware of, because generally higher ACEs scales mean you went through abuse, you went through neglect, you went through uh, even sometimes to the level of molestation, things things that happened to you when you were young that may have shaped the way that you view the world and how you moved forward through it later. And that's a big thing that a lot of us, I think, don't even realize um, when we're growing up is we think, oh, I was, I was a kid, that, that shit doesn't matter, it's fine. You know, I grew up, everything's good. But really, you know, those first few years are, are the foundation for who you become later in life. And if you have a, a shaky foundation, the whole house is just unstable. Right. And right. so the ACEs are, you know, from a from a psychological standpoint, not the most reliable uh, test to look at, but it is a very good place to start for people. Yeah, understanding. I look at it as a touchstone, you know. Exactly. Like for me, exactly. it was like, mm-hmm. okay, I took this test. I see that I, whatever I scored, which wasn't good, because I'm like, oh, mine will be fine. I I had a, this, you know, great childhood. I'm like, oh, oh, you know, uh. <laughs> maybe I didn't. <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah. You know, and my dad was in the military, so there's one with like parents that aren't there. Mm-hmm. You know, and yep. I. And when I read Body Keeps the Score and just finished that up, you know, he talks about military parents going away. And kids don't process that. Like, dad's here, then dad's gone. And mm-hmm. you're two years old. You don't, like, oh, well, dad had to go over and blow up a bunch of hajis. No, yeah. you don't know why he's You have gone. a logical yeah. understanding of why dad left. He's like, right. dad's not here. I'm two. Yeah, so you're like, mm-hmm. okay, so people are going to leave me. And then maybe mm-hmm. they come back. So exactly. I, mm-hmm. once I started like processing that, then it kind of gave me an idea. Like, okay, these are the things I need to work on. Like this abandonment thing that mm. I've carried my whole life that, you know, everyone leaves. You know, which is fucked. You know, when you're a kid and you're like... You know, and all my relationships until my wife were always haunted by this idea in my head that no matter how much love I give this person, they're leaving. Yep. You know, so yep. it gave me like the path to try to heal what happened to me as a child. And it wasn't even, you know, it wasn't planned. It wasn't like my parents were like, well, let's just take the kid and shake the shit out yeah. of him. <laughs> yeah. Let's fuck him up a little bit. Yeah, let's throw him <laughs> yeah. against the wall. It was yeah. none of that, you know. It was, it was generally a good, kind, loving household, but there were things, you know. That... So so when we're talking about acceptance, then at what point in, like, your, let's call it the trauma recovery, did you come to, like, a point of, like, accepting that, like, this is something that happened in your past and this is an, uh, isn't actually happening now? Or have you got there yet? Oh, I'm pretty good, I think, with it now. But, I mean, I seriously was... Well, when was I huge and fat? 2016? So, once I realized, you know, that the that my body was a reflection of everything else... Mm-hmm. And all that fat was hiding there to 
kind yeah, of like and, coat, and, and like an armor, yeah, your armor. feelings. Right. Well, and obese people generally have higher trauma levels, from what I've read. So accurate. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. um, so I mean, that was in 2016. So I was 52. Yeah. When I finally got around to saying I got to get my shit together. Yeah, so you had a hell of a run with it then. Right. Yeah. And I'm. But sure, I kind of yeah. stopped drinking excessively when I met my wife. That wasn't gonna fly. Yeah. Yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Of right. course. And, uh, <laughs> you know. So. I mean, so we all got our own way of it, of dealing with it. And my yeah. acceptance was, all right, this is what happened, and this is how do I make it better? Yeah. And again, we'll go to stoicism. I mean, that really was, to me, the best mental um, health thing I could do. Like, yeah. Learning, you know, you look, the whole premise is you can't control anything, right? Yeah. Except yourself. So then I accepted this is what happened, and things happen and the only thing I can do is control my reaction to what happens to me and that's really I think the crux of a lot of all of our addictions was like I think it's kind of a way you think you can control things like yeah I'm just gonna get all effed up and I'm gonna go in and make a scene and I'm gonna you know and do whatever and it's a way of a avoiding and b not accepting right same thing really right Right, exactly, and I remember your journey, because ours is right on the same, pretty much same timeline, Right, and I'm only one year older than you, but I also (coughs) quit drinking at age 52, so I'm like, what the hell, I thought I had 52 years of life, right, you know, and but it was actually through going through the, the aces, going through all of that, that I started to really... Once I had surrendered and once I had started to, was in a place to reframe all that thinking, I could go now, I want to stand back as a third person, a third party to the little boy crow, parents, what was going on in that year um, and, and what happened, but it was actually in looking into those old, the, the young me what we were, what we, you were mentioning, that I found my patterns, my drinking patterns, even though I didn't start drinking until I was 37. Mm-hmm. But I realized the patterns had been there since I was three. Yeah. Yep. I established them. I escaped, again, Alan, uh, abandonment, all of that, both parents gone, boom. And I immediately shut down, and there's my escape. And so... The emotionally, I had about when I sort of woke up, as it were, mm-hmm. at 52, I realized I had about the emotional wherewithal of about a 14 year old yeah. boy, if that, I'm maybe a 12 year old boy, uh, you know, doing all the doing life and and you know, having these careers and buying houses and cars, the whole bit, we're just going with the flow. Not ever realizing when the you know what hits the fan and uh, life upends us, and it does do that. I was not ready, I was completely, and I traced it by just doing exactly what you said, going mm-hmm. back and looking at that from as a third party and with no judgment. And I think this is the important one of the important keys in this is that we really have a challenging time 
with radical acceptance or any acceptance at all or any sort of surrender mm-hmm. because we fear that it's going to come automatically with judgment. And it doesn't have to. Mm-hmm. It can just be, that's the power of observation. Well, a lot of yeah. that, I feel like a lot of that judgment often comes from just your imagination. Exactly. Yeah. It's not it's actually you, coming from other people. Yeah. It's definitely yeah. one of your dragons yeah. like so many others. We place yeah. this huge uh, this huge level of importance on ourselves in terms of other people where we think that people are watching us and paying attention to the things that we're doing and judging mm-hmm. us for our mistakes and, our, and people don't give a shit what you're doing. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> they Nobody don't care. Nobody cares. No, they're doing right. the same thing. If you sit in, in one room across from another person and you guys don't say a word, you're both probably going to come up with the idea that you're judging each other based on your appearance, based on mm-hmm. values you don't even know that the other one has. And in reality, you made all that shit up. It doesn't even exist. Yeah. Right. We just yep. get caught up. Yep thinking that we are the most important thing on the planet and that everyone, we're under this microscope for our mistakes, when in reality, the only person who's really judging us for our shit is, is ourselves. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and it really comes back into, I, I really think it, we end up shaming ourselves more than, more than is uh, supposed, more than we're supposed to, I guess. But I think like Brene, I've heard Brene Brown called it um, spotlight syndrome. You know, and it, yeah, that, yeah, and it even comes down to, to it even comes down to like Joseph Campbell. It's like it's that fear of like what will people think? Like what yeah, will people what will think people of? think of me? And I think that that and and I think like staying in that box for too long, it really keeps us from exploring like the the true potential of who we could actually be. Because I think that you know we're just we're just surrounded by fear. Well, yeah, no, I, I agree. Fear that we've created as a protector. Yeah, yeah right. That yeah. story in your head is like just the craziest shit. Like, yeah. none of it's real, right? Like, I used to always be concerned what people thought. Like, I, I mean, I told you guys the swing set story when I was a kid. You yeah, know, I could swing higher than anybody. But another kid would show up, I would just stop because I thought they'd judge me. They'd be better than me. I couldn't. I'm like, no. Yeah. So I won't do it. Mm-hmm. So that's the the really the downside to that is you become like frozen by fear, mm-hmm. you know, and then well, you, yeah. And, yeah, and you don't lose any kind of control and you lose any ability to, to make your life better because you're so scared of what people think. Yeah. Like, you know, when we first did this podcast, if we had, you know, we've had this conversation, if I was have 24 year old me met, 58-year-old me, like, that guy's out of his fucking mind, right? <laughs> right? Like, what kind of shit is he talking about, you know? But super happy now. Like, mm-hmm. you know, like I've said to you guys before, like, there wasn't a day I didn't think about killing myself until my wife and I started getting therapy. Yeah. You know, like, every day I'm like, fuck, I'm going to kill myself today. And I still have those days. There's days like, yeah, fuck it, I'm just going to do it. But then mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, fuck, how much would I fuck everybody? Yeah. Like, how much would their lives suck because of my inability to accept and surrender and surrender and surrender yeah 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 because that that really goes i i I really think that it's just like the ebb and flow and like that that duality of life is that it's like you know when the when the the tide is going out sometimes you you just got to lean into it and you just got to surrender to it and and i and i think that that that's for me and recovery, one of the hardest things that I've had is acknowledging my own feelings and then taking, like, ownership and really exploring, like, what do those feelings mean? How are they showing up? And 
And I really think like one of my biggest issues that that prevented me from like true surrender and true radical acceptance was my my ability to like disassociate, which I know that Alex absolutely yeah, oh, Alex buddy. got a smile on his face in agreement. Like and I oh, think buddy. that that was because I think I, I think that for me when I was out and using, it was so difficult for me to have those bad days, like you were saying, Alan, to, you know, to have those days. And like, I'm, I'm definitely a suicide survivor myself. And so I, I've had those bad days before. I've had those days where I'm, you know, I'm suicidal, homicidal, irritable, discontent, all those kind of things. And the drugs were a way for me to be able to escape from those feelings. And, and then within my own, you know, my own mask in my head, I was able to disassociate and detach completely from those feelings. And that kept me, that truly kept me at a distance from, from like true acceptance of like, like, it's okay to have a bad day. Like it's not, it is not the end of the world to have a bad day, to have these thoughts. It doesn't make me less of a human. doesn't make me less of a per or like, actually makes you know, me more less of a man. Yeah. It actually makes me more. I mean, it's like, I really think that that's just like a part of the human experience is, is to to kind of lean in and, and to surrender to these, these negative feelings, because that's, it's realistically like shit happens, bad days happen, you know, tragedies happen. And I think that's, that's just part of the human experience that we have to accept. And it really ties a lot of, into what we were discussing last week with the attachment, because I, I think the, the best I can figure now is there's a correlation here that if I'm not going to lash out either in, um, anger or just a reaction of some kind to make sense of my emotions because I can't sit with them. I, I, I don't have the skills to sit with them. I would do something. And in the process of just doing something, it's placing me in some familiar place. Any, I'm doing something, anything to allow me familiarity. And the quickest button, the quickest route for me in that state back then was victim state. Ooh. And I yeah. was attached to my victim state because I identified, I, I not only identified with it, but it was the only one I knew. It was the comfortable one. So, you know, we, Alan, you used to go into parties all the time and everybody would look at me like he's your friend, control him. And I would be like, I can't control him. You know, he's an asshole. He can't control um, himself. So, <laughs> no, honestly, he can't control himself, but he doesn't know any other way yeah. but to lash out rather than just sit with his own discontent. Mm. So there's either that sort of lashing out, there's the... Um, uh, the uh, addiction uh, is a way to who cares what I'm doing to my body, what I'm doing to my loved ones around me, who cares what's the fallout. Um, but I'm doing something and it's not good. And it's placing me ultimately in victim state where mm -hmm. I, where I want to be air quoted, yeah. air quoted yeah. where, where I, where I feel the most comfortable is <laughs> in that chaos that I've always known. So I created for myself so that I can, sleep well tonight knowing that everything's going to be just as fucked tomorrow as i made it today <laughs> exactly <laughs> but but it, it is but at least i'm in control of that yeah yeah I, yeah. yeah and that's the frightening yeah, yeah. We're, we're in control of our own chaos so yeah. yeah to surrender then and to get out of that attachment to that state takes going into some place that i don't even know then what you know, what do you think of that? Them apples, guys. 
What do you do with the mystery? What do you do with that step beyond that, that abyss that now you have to step into? How did you guys handle that? Well, for me, so you, you said something at the beginning of this. You said that, that um, the acceptance bit for you was one of the first things that you had to do in order to, to move your life forward. And, and you and I have known each other long enough. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I'm almost borderline on oppositional defiant disorder. I'm like this, <laughs> this fucking close. People tell me things, I do the exact opposite because yeah. I don't want to do what you told me to do. Yeah. And for me, I, I thought about that, and, and I think the big mystery for me was, was eventually realizing that, um, so to speak, the first thing that I didn't have to do was accept that was almost the last thing that I ended Ooh, up doing. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, I, yeah. I have to play the devil's advocate on yeah. that one yeah. because I know that there is somebody out there who's going to hear this, who's going to be like, well, I don't think that way. I didn't want to accept in the beginning. Mm-hmm. Dude, whoever you are, I feel you. Um, <laughs> it's, it's that way. I, the, the very last thing that I wanted to do was accept anything around me um, or accountability for anything around me. I, yeah. didn't, I didn't want yeah. to admit that a lot of these issues, you know, we were talking about the aces. My aces score is almost a perfect 10. I went through a lot of things when I was younger, and it was terrible, and I, I ended up getting high um, to outrun all of those problems, so I didn't have to feel those feelings. And I got so lost within myself at, at one point that killing myself was probably, that was like the nicest option as far as the things that I could have gone and done and the things that I did go and do. And I went back and forth cat and mouse with that. I mean, you were off there. You went to North Carolina, Kyle, for a while, and you were off mm-hmm. there you know, battling your own shit, but you were getting better. And I just made myself, yeah, ish. <laughs> ish. <laughs> I, I just kept After making myself so much worse. Yeah. And it's because I did not want to accept that the way that I wanted to do things was not the way that things had to be done. Yeah. Because I was, I was so stuck in the mentality that it's like it's my way or the fucking highway. Yeah. And I'm going to win against all odds and expectations. You guys think I can't get high for the rest of my life. Yeah. But I will. And, and I figured out eventually that that was a losing game and I did have to come to accept it. So I think, I think the mystery for me was just realizing that there was acceptance to be had. Yeah. So, so what, what was that point of surrender for you then? Like, because it sounds like you, obviously you had some point where you were like, well, shit, like, obviously the way that I'm doing isn't working. What was that point for you? That was, um, so the day before Thanksgiving 2018 is when I got arrested and put in jail the last time, Mm -hmm. uh, from my drug court probation officer. Um, and, and I woke up Thanksgiving morning, um, in, in the, psych hold of CJC down here in Colorado Springs. And I looked at everybody around me and I knew um, beyond shadow of a doubt because me and my PO had spoken about it that if I didn't clean my act up and get things on track that I was headed for 8 to 12 in prison. And it was at that moment I looked around and I realized, hey, this is like the 36th time that I've been in this bunk in the last five years. I have been in jail in and out almost as much as I've been free and quite frankly, these people are going to beat me at the game that I thought I was going to win. And it was that moment where I was just like, this is the, the, uh, the pros did no, they no longer outweighed the cons. Yeah. I could not fight that battle uphill anymore and think I could win. I knew I was going to lose. And I was like, you know what? Maybe this just isn't going to work out as a lifestyle yeah. choice for me. So it sounds like you had, you had a true, a true amount of like 
humility that can't that like that really aided that that um that that acceptance piece for you but I want to note that that was the very last fucking thing that I did. <laughs> it didn't start yep. with humble yeah, beginnings no, and it did it altruistic yeah. journey. I held up till no, the I end. Think I was saying. spitting yeah, I think, and biting and swinging yeah, were, all the way down. You were getting your ass kicked the entire time. And then eventually you were like, oh, shit. <laughs> yeah. so, let Finally. me ask you this. Did you, th- did you feel that you had to get a new tribe after that? Like my, so I have a buddy who lives in in San Pedro now, and he was in Tech Dallas heroin addict for years. Yeah, uh, they he got busted, no rehab, no detox. They just threw him in a cell. So he went cold turkey. That went for me too. Miserable. And then he got out and um, got you know his possessions, and he went he went back to the house that he was living with. Everyone was still nothing had changed, so he was like. Grabbed all everything he had in like one suitcase, walked to the Greyhound station, said, How far can I get with eighty nine dollars? And they said, You can get to Colorado Springs. <laughs> so he just came here on his own. And he's nice. been clean ever since. It's been like twenty years, so nice. But so did you have that like I gotta cut these people out of my life? In a way. In yeah. a way. You know, I think when you're um when you're getting high out on the streets or when you're getting drunk out on the streets. I mean, it's the same, same thing. You know, your, your bar buddies or your using buddies are not your actual friends. And right. you know that, Yeah. Uh, you know, you, you know, but you yes. don't want to admit it. But, um, you know, when I went to, to jail that last time, right before Thanksgiving, they sentenced me to, uh, which is community corrections is a halfway house. And they told me that I had to complete the rehab program, the state funded rehab program at a and they would give me a chance. And it was, I think, there I, I spoke to two people that I knew, and Kyle was one of them. I called him almost every day, and we talked a lot. Um, but outside of that, when I got out of it was it was almost that moment for me. I went back to, uh, back to my mom's house. I was released there to sleep on her couch for a little while. And my mom, is, uh, she's a heroin addict as well, and we used together for many years. Um, and it was, I think within the first half an hour of being home that I went into my old bathroom across from my bedroom and there were needles on the floor and there was some heroin in the fucking sink. And I, um, I think I lived there for seven more days before I took the only 400 bucks that I had, uh, grabbed my, uh, girlfriend and said, Hey, we need to go get a place together. And I spent every single dime that I had on moving into a shitty little apartment that I couldn't afford. Uh, and I never looked back. And it was, you know, I still knew Kyle, who was doing great, and he had moved back to the Springs, so we linked up, and, and yeah, no, I, I definitely did. I had to abandon basically everybody that I, that I knew at that time. And they've, you know, they, as I'm sure you guys have experienced, they'll come back here and there. You'll hear from one of them every so often. And sometimes they've gotten their shit together, and it's awesome. It's always a great moment to see him, but most of the time it's like, hey, man, can I borrow 20 bucks? Yeah, like, yeah. Still not doing great. I most of the time it is. Yeah. Well, that's what I think I found was once I stopped drinking, like that drinking group, you know, we're like, come have a beer. I'm like, I don't really, I mean, I, I had a beer yesterday. I'll admit it. Yeah. It's Christmas. I wanted a Belgian Christmas beer. I'm going to have one. I have like six a year. Tops. I don't need it. I don't crave it. I love how it tastes. And, you mm-hmm. know, Chris and I have discussed this, how good it tastes. Mm-hmm. But I didn't like how I felt. But, you know, these guys are like, come on, come have a beer. Come out. Like every day, like same, you know. Having worked in the beer world for 26 years, it was always at the end of the day, everyone sits around and drinks beer, you know, and then I stopped. 
And then it was, well, what do I do now? So coffee became my thing. Because every morning they're drinking coffee because they're hungover. Mm-hmm. So I would start having, I never drank coffee until I stopped drinking beer. And then I'm like, well, at least I can hang out with my guys, mm-hmm. have a beverage, socialize, and not feel like I need to indulge. Know, drink. And then, <laughs> yeah. You didn't you know, cut, cut out that social time. You just replaced right. the But beer then beer. in the long yeah. term, you know, now like they're still my friends and I, hang out with them and I'll go and they'll drink beer and I'll just sit and talk because I love the guys, right? Mm-hmm. But I've, that's when, you know, I was talking to my other Chris and when he's like, you need a new tribe. So then I started thinking, all right, who do you want around you, you know? <laughs> like people who uplift you, who support you and aren't negative about you saying, I don't want to get fucked up anymore. I'm tired of waking up feeling like shit, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and who hold you accountable for your bullshit. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. which, you know, we've had that sure. conversation how I call yeah. people out, like, all the time. Yeah. And yeah. I hope people call me out because, I mean, I still do stupid shit. You know, there's moments yeah. that that little fucking monkey gets out of the cage and my brain's like, yeah, go fuck with somebody. Right. But generally, I try to keep it under control. So that's what, you know, the whole tribe thing, I was like, huh, interesting. So I wanted to see how it affected you, you know, like... Yeah, I mean, I think they really say in in one of the the early programs that I got involved in, they say you got to change your people, places, and things. I mean, I think, and I think that that's, I mean, that was that was the case for me as well too, because I think that like, because for me it would be harder for me as like someone who is who actually has, I guess, like the disease of addiction or you know how you know whatever whatever's appropriate right now. It would be harder for me to sit with like. A group of people who are smoking meth and not smoke meth you know i think that that is that that would be more of a hurdle for me because for for his you know for you it's like you were able to kind of come to that place of just understanding that like i don't want to do this anymore it's making me feel like shit i'm able to like put it down i could still hang out with a couple of these people and you know blah 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 for me it was more it was more of an up, uphill battle of because i knew i felt like shit you know and I knew that if I did more, I was going to feel like you, I was going to feel even worse, but I still wasn't able to stop. And so it's, it's riskier for me. And I know it's probably the same as you. It's, it's riskier for us because I think if we, if we were to have, you know, have that one beer or something like that, like I'm going to the crack dealer's house tonight, you know? And so it's a little bit more of, um, I think we, for me personally, I had to be like super, super vigilant about, about changing my tribe. And to be, to be completely honest, like for everyone who's listening, who is in, who's in recovery themselves and, you know, from narcotics or alcohol or what, you know, what, whatever it is, like, it is kind of a lonely path, you know, sometimes it can be, you know, because, yes. some, because sometimes yes. like when you, when you disperse the tribe, there's not another one immediately ready. Oh, look, there's <laughs> you know? no fucking tribe. Yeah. It's like, sometimes <laughs> yeah. it's like, sometimes you got to wander by yourself. And like, you know, we were talking about the hero's journey a few, uh, you know, a few episodes back and, you know, sometimes you have to like go in, you know, and pull out your machete and cut your own path. Right. And like, right. you're going to be going through that alone for a while. But I think eventually like in, like for me, it's like, you know, I ha- I have my tribe now. I have my tribe now, and it took like it took seven seven years to like have like an established foundation. But I think I had to get to that point of like truly being okay with being alone and being with myself. Well, that's um, acceptance. Right? Yeah, yeah, so absolutely. And you gotta be able and to surrender. The one hard thing mm-hmm. is accepting cutting people out of your life, right? Yeah, like yeah. that's really hard. Like 
you know, we have a friend that we played music with that I've known since I was 17. Mm -hmm. Really don't do any, don't even, I mean, if I see him, we'll have a conversation, but it used to be we talk every day mm -hmm. and we go out and drink every night. You know, so it's tough sometimes to just cut all that out. And like, you know, Chris and I had a conversation years ago about getting off the path. Like, and you said you just lay down and wait till someone comes along and picks you up. You know, and that really resonated with me. Like, yeah. Or, or that higher, that metaphor of the, the definitely the higher power. It's like, boy, it's all escaping me. But if I just lay crosswise on this son of a bitch, um, <laughs> someone's going to stumble on yeah, me. Yeah, sooner or later, this, um, the the god or higher power will it can, cannot miss me if I just surrender enough to lay crossways in the path. You'd have to step on me, so you know I'm not going to miss that train. Is the, yeah. Way, yeah. the way I used to look at that, but there's yeah. yeah. Well, and that resonated with me, you know, that surrendering to you don't know, and you don't know where you should go or how you should take this journey, especially for me, because for me it wasn't like I went into any program. I was just like, all right. How do I fix me? Yeah. How do I become yes. a better human being, a better <laughs> husband, a better friend, better son, whatever, you know? So to me, it was like, and I'm a reader. So I was like, all right, get a book. So I wrote, you know, and then all of a sudden it became, you know, I got 26 books every year that I try to read mm -hmm. and 25 of them will be like, you know, get your shit together. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. So, challenge. You know, challenge. Yeah, you know, challenge yourself. So, yeah. So yeah. that to me is a huge part of the acceptance is like, wow, I got to kill. And we've talked about this, you know, being reborn every day, like every night you die and mm -hmm. you can wake up and be whatever you want. So right. but it's hard. It's hard to let go of like who you believe you are, mm -hmm. who you project. Right. Do, I, I mean, we all projected, right? Like, oh, yeah. we're these dudes. <laughs> you know, like, I grew up, I'm older than you guys. Like, I heard the Sex Pistols at 13. They were still together. And I'm like, holy shit. You know, <laughs> this is me. Yeah. You yeah. Know, like, and then I watched. Never even met the queen. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Fascist regime. So, you know, so I, I remember we were at my parents. It was right before my parents got divorced. And we were living in Illinois. And I spent the night at a friend's house. And on the late night Chicago TV, there was like, the show and it was this reporter talking about punk rock and this whole movement. It was 1977. I remember it like yesterday, and I remember my friend like they're so weird. And I'm just like watching the TV. I'm like this. I found you know I was like that stupid B girl in that horrible video finding the little you know whatever that band was. Yeah. Um, I felt like the B girl in that video. I'm like holy shit, these are my people. Yeah. Right. So all of a sudden that defined who I was. Like I went to Palmer High School here. And there were no punk rock kids except for me and one and, and Corey. So like my best friend in, in high school shows up. He moved here from California. He's walking through the hallway. He's like 6'4 with his spiky blonde hair and a Sid Vicious t-shirt. And I'm like, hey, buddy. Hey, buddy. You found your tribe. Right. Yeah. But yeah. then you wanted to live it, you know, like, yeah. you know, so all of a sudden that was who you were. It wasn't who you were. But it was who you were. Yeah, it makes sense. Yeah, there's oh, like a whole yeah. persona that goes along we, with it. We sure. both understand that very right. intimately. We we carried ourselves. I mean, I swear we thought we were we were members of Motley Crew. We, we really did. School. We really did. Like we lived like that. We, we thought we, we were rock stars. We didn't man. fucking matter, but we yeah. thought we did. <laughs> yeah. And and that was the thing for us. Um, man, when you said that you 
you would just lay down in the path, and sooner yeah. or later, it would come along and just kind of stumble on you and be like, well, let's go, man. Yeah. That, for me, I, I hate to play the devil's advocate all day long, but I'm going to do it. Uh, I admire that quality in both of you guys because I am the exact opposite way. For, for me, my brain looks at it like I'm a switchboard operator. Yes. And I have 10,000 switches in front of me. I'm like, okay, there's a, there's a solution to this problem fucking somewhere on this board. I just have to find it. And I just can't allow myself to, to sit and, and let it happen and, and be that way. And I should probably really allow that more often because I'm, I, I will bang my head into the wall and break both my hands trying to find a solution to a lot of my problems a lot of the time. And I know other people are that way too. And, and it's, uh, yeah, it's just a very alternative experience, but I appreciate the perspective on that. Well, I like yours too, because I think yours, and I'm glad that you voiced that because I think yours is probably 95% of the people. Mm -hmm. the, the, the difference, I think the only difference is that I was much older when I came to sobriety. And that's fair. So I, I was out of options. I was Bad out of enough. options. Yeah. I so, lived. So I lived fifty-two years of a good life. Yeah, I, exactly. had yeah. I had done it. I had played every plug, and nothing I was working. Yeah. Yeah. No solution. Yeah, and eighteen years of drinking. Yeah, and um, I, I, and every excuse under the sun. Um, how many different ways can you get sick before you, you know, you can't call in to work anymore? Kind of thing is just ridiculous. You've, you've. You've exhausted everything mm -hmm. by that time. So, but I think your case speaks to the majority of people that I am going to fight this, and you're going to have have to take me down screaming, right. and or incarcerate me. But that yeah. might even not do any good. Yeah, well, and it so even happens on a personal level where it's it's not even uh, outwardly, out, it's not outward towards other people. It's just like there's a solution in me somewhere i just have to find it right and you know and and I, i'd end up beating myself up more than i would anybody else good point yeah. good point because yeah. now that and that had is sort of a lot of things in my case had sort of imploded in on exactly that is now it, it's just this one crushing moment of shame and guilt after another and i like your story of the incarceration story uh, mine was also involved CJC. Hey, yes, but it, my man. But I was not, <laughs> I put myself there. And then uh, uh, in the detox uh, for only as long as I would sober up. But but uh, in the time that I did, when, when I did wake up, I looked around me and I saw who I was had surrounded myself with. That was my the beginning. Mm -hmm. Because I said, there, I'm out of, not only am I out of options, I'm out of people to blame. Mm -hmm. And it was at that moment that I said, I did this. I, nobody poured those drinks down yeah. my throat my whole life. Mm -hmm. I did this. Absolutely. So um, I'm going to need some help getting out because I have zero yeah. Uh, resources and clues as to what I got myself into. Yeah. I had that same. But I'm done running. Same and, moment, because when I woke up there, man, it was a, it it wasn't, and I don't mean to place blame on anybody else. It wasn't my probation officer's fault that he put me in jail. It no, it wasn't. Fault. Those people, I surrounded myself with them, same as you. It just wasn't. I didn't say yes. It wasn't consenting, but I I made those choices. Yeah, absolutely. And then you know you have that that moment where you're just like, oh shit. All right, so yeah. well, what what we're kind of arriving at here is that thing of surrender. 
and and uh, and and handing it over kind of thing is a moment of radical ownership. Yeah, that's exactly. Yeah. Well, the, I was thinking as what? as you guys were talking, you've explained it to me. It's like climbing out of your own pile of shit, standing on top of it, and being like, "This is mine." Yes. Instead of being at the base of it, yeah. that's the only way I could visualize this sort of metaphor. And instead, of, instead of being at the bottom of my shit pile mm-hmm. and acting like "Woe is me," and I have no idea. I have no no. It was time for me to claim my shit that mm-hmm. I had done. No, all the traumas, all the blame aside, I did this. Mm-hmm. I responded this way. So now I'm going to climb to the top of my shit pile that I, <laughs> that I burned and yeah. created. And the view is a lot better now. <laughs> it still yeah. smells like shit. Yeah, yeah, it still yeah, smells yeah. like shit, but it's prettier. It's a lot prettier, and I can see yeah. a lot further. And the one thing, you know, so I really didn't either uh, have to change... Uh, people, places, and things too much mm-hmm. because I had done a really swell job at getting rid of everybody <laughs> that, yeah. already. Yeah. I had isolated. You know, so yeah. I didn't really have that. But what I did realize is those people, places, things weren't going to change for me. Mm-hmm. They weren't moving that liquor store made of cinder block across the street from my apartment. Mm-hmm. They weren't moving that on the account of I sobered up. Mm-hmm. It was still there. All of these things, my demons were still there. What had to change was my perspective and how I approached them. Mm-hmm. And that you alluded to, and you said, one of you guys said the word, capital H, humility. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. It's a humbling experience, so it take it. Take the humility. Right. Well, and it's an ego thing too, right? Setting that ego aside. Yeah. Saying, no, I don't... This. I don't need this. I don't need, it's going to, it brings you down in the run. You know, like you think you're like cool and you think all this shit and you got it under control because it's your ego speaking to you. And then you hit the wall. You hit the wall with alcohol, drugs. You know, all of us hit the wall and you're like, all right, so I got to humble myself and realize I don't know shit (laughs) and I am nothing. Mm-hmm. You know, and I think I saw Marcus Aurelius going back to the Stoicism saying that you got to visualize yourself as a speck of dust on the bottom of someone's shoe in, in this giant universe. And that's all you are is a speck of dust. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. So once you realize We're all that, just dust in the wind. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, so I, I, and that, that again, that's acceptance and surrender. Like, yeah. all right. You know, whatever it is, the higher power, whatever, God, whatever, you know, universe, I don't care what it is. Like, you know, I'm a seeker. I don't fucking know. People are like, oh, man, I can't believe that you're like this guy that believes in this stuff. I'm like, I don't know. I I don't know. You know, it's like atheists and like hardcore Christians are both exactly the same in that they know what they think is true is true. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, you aren't going to know shit till you're dead. Like I used to always just vision death as like a light switch going off. Like all of a sudden you're like gone. And right? it's gone. Yeah. yeah. So who knows? It's gone. But, you know, it's again, it's accepting. You got to accept that whatever. If it's just the energy of mankind or the flow of electrons on the face of the earth or whatever that's helping you to get to where you need to be. Mm-hmm. And that there's something greater than you. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's really hard that, to surrender well, that. Yeah, especially yeah. when we're when we've lived a life, you know, trauma centered. Yeah. We're pretty self-reliant. 
Yeah. And there's nobody in the world where you have to be. Yeah. And now we've got to re-engineer that. And like, you wait a minute. You want me to hand my power over to what now? Yeah. You, you're That's not what mind. survivors do. Yeah, right. <laughs> exactly. That's not what stuff people do. <laughs> yeah. You're, you're cracked. And there's no way I'm handing this big ship over. Yeah. Yeah, well, your big ship has already, you know, uh, beached itself. So, you know, for the last time. So, why don't you try this way? And yeah. It's got to be just something greater than you is all, all it is, man. It's it's beyond you. But therein, too, is a whole other conversation, maybe for another podcast right there. Because mm-hmm. now that it's just Christmas <laughs> this week, you know, it does bring into point a, a, a case sometimes for Christianity. Mm-hmm. And... You know, some of the most incredibly um, calm and genteel people that were just at peace all of the time were my old great uncles and aunts. Mm-hmm. You know, <laughs> these old people were just so relaxed and chilled and they were so just, you know, benevolent. And, and, and I thought, where does that come from? I want some of that, you know, like uh, us in recovery, we say, hey, I want some of what you have. Mm-hmm. Well, I wanted some more those people had, but what they had was this undying, continuous, inherent surrender mm. to the mystery. And they were okay with that. So I think that is what I realized, if not to the dogmas or the, uh, the bullshit that you that comes along with some of those faith traditions, we do have to really you, know, you can't be throwing out the baby with the bathwater. There is a tremendous amount that teaches us uh, to afford releasing to mystery. Mm-hmm. Well, what is it? Who cares? It's something that's just full of love, which I never felt within me, and it's unconditional. There you go. Have a nice day. Work with it. Work with mm-hmm. that image and, and find, find me anybody in this world that is unconditional and full of love. Well, that's a good enough, that was a good enough image for me to just start building on and going, wow, never met anybody like that. So, Bill Murray. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I just have a feeling. I, just, <laughs> I don't know. Bill Murray comes to mind. <laughs> yes. So, you know, Unless that's, you ask his wife. That, that, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Might get a different answer. <laughs> well, that's what that's where I kind of went to early in my recovery. Is like that I can live with uh, not knowing to know enough of not knowing to get me going. Yeah. To get me started on this because it really does in every aspect put one at peace. Mm-hmm. It's like it throws us right back into and ties into Alan your stoicism. Right. Mm-hmm. Which is, get over yourself. Well, and go with and flow and accept and whatever go, exa- you know. Exactly. Life has handed exactly. you. Exactly. You know, you got. I got the sticker on the truck. You know, the amor fate, which is love your fate. Yep. And then the memento mori, which means accept you're going to die. Right. Mm-hmm. So, so yeah. those two are huge, right? Like, so your fate is your fate. Mm-hmm. You can't control it. You know, I mean, you, we can. We we want to, right? We all tried to control. We tried to catch. We but tried. shit's going to happen to you, right? Yeah. No matter what, shit's going to happen to you, and it's how you react to it. And yeah. I think all of us, in our own way, shit happened to us, and we reacted in a way that was very unhealthy and very self-destructive. Uh, Even yeah. though at the time you can't see that it... I mean, you might know. Like, I never thought... 
going to the bar six nights a week and blacking out was self-destructive. And then people would tell me stories of shit I did, and I'm like, yeah, it wasn't me. And everyone was like, yeah, dude, it was you. I'm like, I really did that? So now I always accept it. Like, now I'm always like, yeah, I did it. Yeah, I did it. Yeah, taking know, ownership. I'm not going to deny. Because yeah. I was like, dude, the craziest shit I ever saw. Like this guy I went to college with. He's like, ten craziest things I ever saw were were you <laughs> doing these things. So ten, eleven of them. So, yeah, yeah, eleven so, out of the ten things yeah, that I saw. We had, this, we had played this place in Denver, and he came to watch us play. And then he uh, um, he was like, so he tells me the ten craziest stories. I'm like, I don't remember any of those. They don't even make my list. Like, they're not even my top hundred of the crazy shit I did, you know? Yeah. And I'm like, wow, is that a legacy? Like, <laughs> yeah. you know, like well, to I mean, some yeah. dudes, it was pretty cool. Like, yeah. this guy's out of control. It's, oh, fuck, yeah. you yeah. know? But then I'm like, uh, 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 <laughs> So now it's like, you know, people are like, I remember you from college. I'm like, oh my gosh, shit, what, what do, do you remember? remember? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I wonder if Gigi Allen would be saying the same yeah. thing. <laughs> <laughs> Nice Gigi Allen. Don't reference. even don't even tell me. <laughs> so my, my assistant brewer Troy for years, he's a great guy. He was like, I knew I was gonna work out with you when you brought up Gigi Allen like the second day we were working together. And I'm like, <laughs> This is the first. So <laughs> yeah, yeah. So even better. So, right. Exactly. Uh, yeah, so you know, I think that that whole acceptance thing we gotta just own again, back yeah. to your ownership. You gotta own all the stupid shit you did. You know, like yeah. It's hard to to accept a lot of it, but you're like, okay, I yeah. surrendered who I was, but I've also surrendered who I was to who I'm becoming. Ooh, and, yes, 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 yeah. And oh, yeah. but here, along with that, I always want to balance out the fact that you got a lot of forgiveness coming to you, and the fact that all of us do, and now especially your story, uh, uh, it's the best you knew how to respond. Yeah. Okay. Well, I think that's so what it's all... not like you just were two years old, woke up in your pram and said, I think I'm going to be a fucking heroin addict. Mm-hmm. That sounds like a good living. Yeah, good times. Mm-hmm. Good wasn't times. It wasn't until about eighth grade that that happened. Seriously. Slow burn. But how, but how we were... You did the best you knew. Well, and yeah. I think, handle it at you the know, time, I've said so. this probably for 40 years, is everyone on the face of the earth is doing the best they can with yeah. the tools they have. Mm-hmm. Right. Right? And a lot of people don't like hearing that. Like, look at that guy. What a loser. And I'm like, honestly, he's doing the best he can with the tools he has. Yeah. And it's really, really difficult for people to, like, oh, yeah, you're right. Because yeah. no one chooses that. I mean, you, you might think it's glamorous and like, oh, I'm going to live this rock star lifestyle and get addicted to drugs because my heroes are doing that. It's not that glamorous. Yeah, it's, it's really not, not glamorous. It doesn't end up being you know, that. Yeah, my friend that you know came up from Texas, he's like, I saw two routes. He's like, I quit or I die. That yeah. was that was me too. Yeah. So I get it. You know? And yeah, I, was, I think I with Chris, even, die. Yeah, <laughs> even, even at the end of Chris's you know career as a drinker, I, I was pretty sure he was going to die on me. Like, yeah. could have, well, I yeah, yeah. Yeah, it was ugly. There was there because of my age. You bet, I could have seized. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, you know. So you got to just surrender to that and be like, all right. So I did the best I could. So I need to. I got to have more than a screwdriver in this tool toolbox if I'm going to fix this machine. Yeah. Well, right? this this whole thing is um, the way we've been talking for probably about the last ten minutes now. It's got me. It's gotten me thinking about one thing. 
and it's one lesson that I uh, I didn't even realize until recently that I needed to learn, uh, and that I even had learned. And it's uh, in terms of acceptance, you know, we we throw around the idea like, oh, in early sobriety, when we first get clean, when all of these things we're realizing. And for me, the, some of the biggest milestones didn't come until two, three years after I got clean because I thought, okay, the problem is getting high. Now that I stopped doing that, everything should go back to normal, right? And I should be totally fine. Well, no, is the short answer. <laughs> yeah. That's the short answer. What is normal? Yeah, I, I realized that accepting the idea that like, okay, the, the lifestyle that I've got is unsustainable and I can no longer outrun my shit was was only going to get me so far um, because I got out I got out of where I did drug court I did all of these things I kept myself busy for for two years I was clean and it wasn't until about the two year mark that everything came crashing down on my head and I realized like oh fuck like a ton of things happened to me in my early life that I never even kind of made any mm -hmm. sense of while I was getting high I just muted all of those problems I turned the volume down and changed the channel but that channel still exists and there is still right. a volume button right. mm -hmm. if I want to go back to it and turn it up and I didn't mm -hmm. realize that for a really long time and and that's something that I've I'm five years clean now and you know, yeah, within, yeah, thank awesome. you thank you appreciate yeah, it but, that's awesome. but within those last three years is really when I've started getting down to the dirty work of just like all right so yeah I had to accept that getting high wasn't going to work anymore but now I have to accept that all of the shit that happened to me happened mm -hmm. and that all of the things that I do are my decisions and how I move forward with my life is my responsibility. Responsibility. And, and in mm -hmm. a lot of ways, dude, like that is the scariest thing I've ever done because I'm taking accountability for my own shit. Mm -hmm. And if it's cool because if you succeed... You have yourself to thank for it. But if you yeah. fail, you only have yourself to blame it for it. It's true. Right. And I think that that, that is like a really big ask of people a lot of the time. It's just like, whoa, dude, like I just stopped getting high recently. Like you're asking me to like take accountability for my bullshit. Yeah. yeah. Right. You know, yeah. nobody wants to do that. They just want to figure out how to settle back into a life where they're not using whatever it was they were using. And, yeah. and I think that that comes a lot later. So the acceptance train you know, I get up a little weird about all of the terminology when it comes to acceptance and blah, blah, blah. I just, you know, I, I'm just, like you were saying, we're all just specks of dust on the bottom of somebody's shoe. I don't fucking matter. But at the end of the day, you know, I'm, I'm stuck here, so I might as well make the most of it right. and figure right. out what the hell I'm doing. And in order to, to make the most of it and figure out what the hell I'm doing, I, I have to, f to realize that, like, the shit that happened in my life happened. And what I do with that from here on in is what I do with that. Right. Mm -hmm. Well, and that goes to Chris's radical ownership thing. It like, does. Right. And that's it does. And that's tough for people. You know. You know. It's like it's tough for all of us. Yeah. Even now. It's, laying blame is super easy. Like all my problems are because of my parents. Well, it's probably farther back than might that. have started that way. Yeah, but it started. Know. But I made but, a, right. Grew and, a you know, I saw, exactly. I saw a, a former president a couple of weeks ago talking about how we need to kill drug dealers. I said, we don't need to kill drug dealers. There's no, we need to kill what's causing people to want to do drugs. How about instead mm -hmm. of spending a bunch of money patrolling around trying to stop the flow of drugs, why don't we say, why are these people taking, why do you, why do you need it? What can we do yeah. to help this person heal? Yeah. Rather than, well, if we kill the supply, it didn't work with Al Capone. 
You know, the guy became. Right. It literally has never worked right. with anything. Yeah, it doesn't. Any right. no, I mean, we're humans. Yeah. Tell yeah. me, we can't have it, and we, and will, we will have it. You make right. a big business out of <laughs> right. getting it. Yeah, and, you know, that strike that goes right to Gaber Mate, and any of our does. listeners that aren't familiar with him, you know the the um, good pull. Um, you've you've got to check out Gabor Mate. That's last name M A T T E. No, one T. M A T E. No, is it one T? It's one T. Oh, accent on the E. In the realm of hungry ghosts. In the realm. That's a great book. In the realm of hungry ghosts. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I read that last year. That one in Chasing the Scream by Johan Hari is also. It's right up that line. I say the one that I'm working on right now. Yeah, they are. Yeah. Well, what you you said, Alex, you said something really great because now you're you're talking about two to three years in, and a lot of the stuff sort of resurfaces. But there's something else that we really haven't touched on that much, which is the whole because we've been talking about our brain and what Mm -hmm. we think and you know how to you know outmaneuver things. Well, then there's the physiology, that subconscious level, and when these discoveries that we make of our past uh, start coming back up. I don't care if you were one or two and you're starting to realize all these things, those thoughts come in. Now they are supercharged. Those are supercharged thoughts and they're (laughs) punched. You know, they pack a big punch uh, to our emotional system. And now it's like, wow, we're still waking up to new feeling (laughs) and the body and the senses and where to put that, how to process that. We're still like children waking up, mm-hmm. essentially. And now all of a sudden we're dealing with some pretty big traumas that were in our past. So now we have a physiological response that we've got to learn. Yeah. We've got to learn our bodies a new way. Yeah. And uh, for you, you both of you, um, I, all three of you, 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 you started working out. You started losing weight. You changed you completely changed who you are, the way you look. Yeah, everything changed. So it just it was a natural progression because you owned it and you committed to it. So, mm-hmm. but boy, for listeners, you're going to go through some serious uh, physicality that's going to be absolutely. Yeah, I and mean, a lot of those habits mm-hmm. are really, really important to establish because it's really easy to. Uh, when you when you do start, hitting, what do you mean? Talk about that. So when you start hitting that wall, you know when you when you you stop doing the drugs and you spend a little bit of time clean and you start hitting that wall a couple of years in or wherever it happens for you, it's really easy to not understand what's going on, and to slip back into uh, behavior patterns like just staying in bed all day and not fucking taking care of yourself, not brushing your teeth, not taking a shower, or eating enough, or exercising, or any of those things, because you you don't understand what happens. And I think a lot of people um, who have spent limited time in sobriety in their lives, you know, those, those guys who have only ever had six months uh, but have had it like three or four times, they always say, well, I'm always so depressed and miserable. You know, I, I'm, I've been clean for six months. Why does everything still suck? And it's like, man, because you've got all of these things that you haven't fucking dealt with yet. And also... You're just sitting in here in the dark all day long, hitting your vape, watching YouTube videos. Right. Yeah. You, no shit, you're sad. And, and <laughs> you, know, you know what I see nine times out of ten is everybody wants the big silver bullet. Yeah. yeah. To, to oh, 100%. This. They do, and they don't realize until you start studying um, different different places that it's not in the big 
the big squeeze. It's going to be the smallest little habits. You, I, yeah. I'm glad yeah. you mentioned yeah. get your ass out of bed. It and is make, the little thing. Yeah. The make little your things bed, because the build, those are building blocks. They change your brain physiology to start to get hungry for new, new neural pathways cut. Mm-hmm. And they start looking for new ways to wire and fire and new experiences. They do. And you're not even aware of this. But right. we, so it's small. Start small. Yeah, well, you've got these voids, right, Like that you're trying to fill with whatever. You know, when our friend Ivor died, yes. who was a terrible drug addict, yeah. you know, I posted that Guided by Voices thing. And he's like, I'm a, there was a line from one of the songs, I'm a lost soul, I shoot myself with rock and roll, the whole the whole I dig is bottomless, but nothing else can set me free, right? So that was Ivor, right? He was just digging this bottomless hole, wanting to be, you know, the rock and roll bass player. and Until it was too late. Yeah. It just had him. Yeah, until it killed him, right? Yeah. So Mm -hmm. filling those holes, those voids that the drugs, alcohol, promiscuous sex, whatever. I mean, all, I did, uh, you know. The all, whole habit. Right, so you got to find habit. new little bricks for that wall yeah. that are healthy. Yeah. But you can also get addicted to, like, healthy stuff. Like, oh, 100%. Like, instead, yeah. of, <laughs> right, yeah. instead of saying, yeah. Yeah, i got to work on whatever yeah. this problem Everybody was. Everybody in this room just shifted positions. Yeah, we, <laughs> right. we all got really uncomfortable. Got Thank up. you, yeah. Alex. Yeah. I'm sorry. Sorry, not sorry. It's very, very true. Though. Why'd yeah. you say that? Yeah, yeah. 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 you asshole. Yeah. Yeah. I'm glad you pointed that out. Because we all started rocking. Yeah, there was a big, big shift in circles right now. And that's really the hardest part. Part, like yeah. finding that and you know for me for a while it was like meditation was like and now I barely do it like I'm like God, I haven't done breath work and meditated in weeks whereas when I was first coming out of being totally fucked up and be, I was like well I'm gonna sit for a, I'll go in the sauna or whatever I sit for an hour mm-hmm. just focusing on my breath trying to be mindfulness of what's coming into my brain of what you know is being asked of me by my body or mind, like to fill this, like kill the pain or whatever it is. Right. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah so I think we, fuck, it's, 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 you know, it's a constant battle. Anyone that says they're done with it mm-hmm. is not even not started. Done. Right. No, that's no. the fun of it now. That's yeah. That's the fun of it. Right. It really does kind of make it. Oh uh, yeah. It's a challenge, but it is kind of fun. Like, mm, yeah. Right, and so. going back to the very beginning of the show, you were talking about who you surround yourself with, and, mm. and we missed that point. I want to surround myself with people that challenge me, and you always have because you were the one that I, I, I came to your place and said, man, I'm starting to kind of feel like this, 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 and this. I had no name. I had no language to put around that, but then you said, that's stoicism, dumbass. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. So, right. Yeah, the, so yeah. the answer to everything in the universe is so it's stoicism. stoicism. <laughs> so, stop searching. It's, it's, we're all in, we're all completely enlightened at this moment. We, you <laughs> also stumbled across CBT, cognitive yeah. behavioral yeah. therapy, and DBT. You know. Yeah, and for me, it was just so, a fluke. Like, but I was you just did on, right. So. What no, time are we looking at, Kyle? We're about two so right ten. now we're about yeah we've been at it for a little bit over an hour. So the truth, do we, we got to 
we've well, just, what's up? What's the, just what's real the, quick. What's the thing? You you were touching on something here that I really want to expand upon, just for a brief no, moment. No, that's great. Do it. Um, Do it. Yeah. Go. You you said we search for things to put back in that place, and you mm. know a lot of times we can get addicted to doing healthy things. Good point. Um, for me, at least personally, and a lot of people that I know, that one that the thing that fills the most of those spaces and has been the greatest driver for me to continue doing what I'm doing and to further my life and, and really get a handle on things has been finding what I'm passionate about. Something right. that gives me a reason to get the fuck a out purpose. of bed in the yeah, morning, yeah. and I want to acknowledge the silent observer, the ghost in the room. My friend here that I brought with me yeah. is a shining example of that. Mm -hmm. This boy has, has gotten sober and is over a year and a half now. Attaboy! Yeah, That's it. what's up. Killing it. All and right. He, he has found his thing. He's a tattoo artist now. And no! I've known you yeah. for four years now, and I have years. never mm -hmm. seen you happier, doing better, killing it more in life than when you found something that you're really passionate right. about and you yeah. get to do. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and I think yeah. purpose is hugely yeah. important. Purpose. Finding right. something to get you yeah. the fuck out of bed in the morning and make right. it all worth it. And right. you're not and doing... And it's hard. That's super hard, It's too. hard. Like, I it's got hard. done with high school. I had no idea what I want to do. I got done with college. I had no idea what I would do. Go back and mm -hmm. get another degree. I had no idea what I want to do. Stumbled into beer. I was passionate about it. It was cool. But then I lost that passion, and then for a while I was like, "Oh, what am I doing?" You know. And then I realized, it's I purpose. A, I I'm yeah. a dog dad. That's my purpose. <laughs> <laughs> no, my well, purpose is you know. Then I did that claim your power. If you ever did, you know the Mastin Kip thing, forty days riding. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah, unbelievable. Like I would highly recommend it. You know, Mastin Kip, yeah. Mastin Kip, Mastin claim your power. Yeah. Like there out. were times I was up in the guest bedroom just bawling because you have to write like. You read this stuff, then you're writing about your trauma, you're writing, and it's based on Joseph Campbell, so it's a 40-day thing. Like, you yes. go into the wilderness, and you come back, right? Yep. So my p purpose in life, which I laughed at when I first read it, was to love yourself, mm -hmm. which is really hard, and then show other people the peace that comes from loving yourself. Ooh. Yes. Right? That's so good. that's what yeah, my, that's like, good. I thought mine was going to be like... You need to go become a barber. You know, yeah, like, yeah, for yeah, anything yeah. other than like <laughs> this, like kind oh, of Mitchell woo -woo is waiting in yeah. India. Yeah. <laughs> but it was this. Yeah. I, it was this kind of woo-woo idea. Yeah. It took me like a year or so to be like, oh, I get it. Yeah, I get yeah. it. Right. Well, you know, yeah. Tick Tick Not Hans said the the greatest line I love is is the greatest thing you can give your children is your own happiness. Mm, Think well, about yeah. that one for a second, because if that's you, that's heavy, it, yeah, it, it really is. If, that's heavy. If you're not happy, then it's going to manifest into a one unhappy childhood. Yeah. They don't need a big. They don't need your money. They don't need your flat screen TV. They want you and your happiness. Right. Because mm -hmm. if you're not, then there's a, another unhappy childhood. Yeah, you know, in in the, you know, or another challenging one. But I like that. I'm glad you guys mentioned that. Yeah, I'm glad like you that. talked about. The passion, and for me, well, maybe we'll have another podcast down the road on that. Yeah, we and might. You have could call to. in if since yeah. you won't be here. We'll, yeah, we'll, 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 we'll ring you. Yeah, yeah, we'll figure a way to make that you know work. Find me. But, yep, absolutely. All right, so we have a tradition. Yeah, we do. Got every episode that you have to give us three things you're grateful for. Three things you're grateful for. 
three things you're grateful and, for. And you you can get away with saying you're grateful for us if you want to. These yeah, guys we, can't. We do it every every week. So we can't, we can't I'm do it so grateful for you guys. No, no bullshit. Come on, give me give me three. So, yeah. so you want you want to be on the spot and go first? Oh wow! What do you got there, bud? Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> no, well, I'm, hi, uh, how are you, bud? You know, I'm I'm grateful to be back in town. Um, you know, I've grew up here, so it's all my friends, my family, they're all here and being out in Washington, it's been a, it's an alien world out there. So grateful to be home, be around everybody. Uh, grateful to have people for the holidays that I really, really wanted to see and got to spend them with and, um, grateful to Oh man, I wanted to say I'm grateful to be grateful, but I would have punched yeah. myself in the face. Yeah. Right here. <laughs> <laughs> that's the, how, how that's anyways, it might be something that said that you're grateful to be able to be grateful because yeah. you yeah. know, I mean, yeah, you to have the capacity. You're upright right now. I, yeah. I got, I got one. I, I'm, I, and third thing, I'm grateful that right now my life is is ten times further than I ever imagined that it would be at this point in my life five years ago. Mm. Five years ago, if you had told me that I would be doing all the things that I'm doing right now with all the people that I'm doing them with, I would have told you that you are fucking insane. So mm. I'm really happy to, to have those things. Awesome. Super awesome. cool, man. Super awesome. cool. Awesome. Very cool. All right, Super now somebody cool. else. Top of that. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. All right. Um, uh, I am grateful for... Um, I just hit my seven years sober, and so I'm incredibly grateful. Yeah, congratulations. Um, I got, uh, I just landed on, I'm calling it my lucky number seven, because I think this is going to be my year. I really do believe that in my, in my heart. I got a (laughs) lot of big things coming. Um, getting married this year, I'm I'm probably going to end up moving, hopefully in the next few months, and starting a business, and I'm, and I'm incredibly grateful for, like, what the, what the future holds for me. Um, I'm grateful. I'm grateful for my family, even though I. So it's always tough. It's, it's, it's always tough being around. Always tough being around my family for the holidays. I heard it's always tough being around my family for the holidays. It is because you know everyone has stuff they're dealing with that I can't control. But I. But I, but I think I am still deep in my heart, very very grateful for um, the lessons that they've taught me and the experiences that I've, they've been able to provide for me in the love that they were able to show me at the level that they were able to. And, um, I'm grateful for my health today too. I'm really grateful for my health. I would say that that's, um, I mean, just good sleep and good eating and exercise and just, it's just, I'm happy. I'm happy today because of my health. Absolutely. Nice. Can we do doubles? Can I take that? Go for it. I'm going to go health. Yeah. I was going to start with health. Mm-hmm. I just, I don't know. I can't. I always do the body scan, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. When I'm driving to work, and and I just like, okay, is this, every finger is there. Everything feels great. <laughs> I don't have not not, a, not an ache on me. So I've uh, been going back to the gym, so that's <clears throat> another grateful for there. Uh, I'm going to have to say... Your presence today, my man. Oh, yeah. uh, it's good you to know, have you here. This is so cool. This is almost like a surrealistic moment for me. Yeah, we never have all three been in the same room. No, I don't we think. never have. I think we did once, did but it was like a five-minute conversation many, many years ago. Yeah, it's yeah. just crazy because I worked with you one place, and then yeah, you worked yeah, there at the place I yeah. worked with. 
Alex, so it's just really, really cool. And I'm glad you brought your guest, man. Great to meet oh, we're, you. Well, we're coming to you with some great things there. You. Yeah, yeah, we're, we're, we're coming to you. We want to talk uh, tats here for a little bit. but um, And um, I'm just grateful to get to do what I do. I don't even call it a job. It's a lifestyle, for real. I just kind of show up, and, and I get to just be me as the crow flies <laughs> or, or as uh, you've you've named it the space wizard yeah oh space wizard crow <laughs> <laughs> so i really do i'm so blessed in my occupation which is my passion which is working with others mm-hmm. and that was a whole other component to that that's awesome um, key to recovery is serving others and it's just my, it's my bag, man. It's what I do. I love, love it. it. Love it. Yeah. Styles, right. how about All you right. over there? Well, I'm, I'm uh, grateful to, to meet Alex because I had mm-hmm. heard about him from both of you mm-hmm. and had this vision. And yeah, much cooler. I mean, I didn't think he sounded uncool at all. <laughs> so don't get me wrong. But I was like, holy fuck, this guy is great. Like, yeah. seriously. Yeah. He's fucking awesome, no, he right? Could, no, he's cool, like, man. They both have told me how awesome you were. And I'm yeah. like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I, didn't know, I actually didn't know yeah, if you no. know this. You guys are both bassists. Yeah. So there's yeah. already, yeah, there's already connection are. happening yeah. there somewhere. Yeah. 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 Well, we got three. So let's, we have let's, yeah. let's pull the amps oh. out and play, do a bass trio. Yeah. Right? Bass trio. So... Um, holy shit, I'm cramping. Oh, yeah. Uh, so, uh, yeah, health too. I think, uh, you know, you guys, you know, know I have this intestinal issue ongoing. So next week, someone's going to look up my butthole and see what the Hell fuck's yeah. going on well, right now. Yeah, you want to? If you want to. So. I, I can't tell you if anything's yeah, wrong. I think, I think you got to buy him dinner first. But. <laughs> hey, well, let's talk later. So, uh, yeah, so, um, you know, it was bad and I've been, fucking taking all this weird shit like green banana powder and all oh this stuff in probiotics and things are kind of getting normal so that's i'm good. hoping that's good you know so fuck and then uh you know almost got all the vw stuff out of the next room so there i can start you go. start yeah. working Moving. out again um, you've been restoring that thing what year is it 77 77 boss good yeah, for you man. yeah so what an endeavor uh, and i'm grateful that i got this computer going i got again. that up and going the so, alan the the computer wizard over it completely here. died he really is. Yep. it completely died and it took me uh i'd say i put about 80 hours into it to get it back and around yeah, God, this thing good for you man ancient, so yeah. it much appreciated i'd have burned that shit after three yeah just it broke down to fix this or buy all new stuff to interface and i'm like yeah. well this works and you know i mean it's so is that three? Oh, i got three shit i got my three there you go so, and then we got we got our right. fly on the wall back here yeah. mr yeah. daniel take, take kyle yeah mr daniel want to cut you want to come daniel pop, pop up special guest daniel huger man nobody even heard that and i'm so happy <laughs> <laughs> special guest um, <laughs> yeah i'm grateful um, obviously for my career of choice, it was my dream, and I love to say that um, my career is my passion. I never really worked a day in my life. Um, I am also grateful to be back in town to see some family and friends, um, be around a familiar place, and I will say the cliche, I'm grateful to be sober. For as long as I have, I've never had it over a year. God, good oh, for you, man. Good that's for you. Right on. So, Seriously. Yeah, that's right on. 
to be shit. where I'm at now, yeah. I would never thought it would have happened. Yeah, good, good for you, man. So it's, fucking uh, proud of you. Yeah. Super cool. yeah, How long awesome. has it been since you've been this 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 length? How many years? Oh man, I started using when I was eighteen and going on twenty seven in a couple months. So fantastic. Had a hell of a run, man. Holy yeah. shit. Yeah. You sure did. Dude, super, super glad that you're still around, man. There was it was touch and go. It's been touch and it go was. with you for the last we thought couple a poop of years. Was gonna kill you. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. There was, so that's cool. There was there was there were times, man. But that, yeah. yeah, that's super cool, man. I'm super glad both of you guys showed up and no doubt. Okay, that's cool. All right, well, thanks um, for having us, man. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Thank it. you guys so much, and thank you uh, everyone for listening to another episode of the Lighter Mind Podcast. And be sure to tune into our next episode. Thank you, and good All night. Right. Take Stay care. Stay classy, San Diego. <laughs> San Diego. <laughs> All right, who's got the bowl? Kyle, pass me the bowl. <laughs>